0: Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song?
1: morning, church. I wanted to see how many of you would sit down before you got the instructions. You may sit down. Delighted that you're here this morning. And of course, if this is your first time at 1C, the sanctuary, a big hearty welcome. Delighted that you are here. Honored that you are here and hope that you will... If you have questions, find me. Find one of the folks in the band whatever it needs to to get your questions answered. And of course you can do that out here at the Welcome Center, which is near the entrance where you came in, but just glad that you're here. Thank you for coming in. Um, If you, again, if you're a guest, you can text uh, 1C Guest to 94000. That just tells us that you were here and it gives us a a record, not to bombard you with texts and emails, but just to let us know you're here. And if you do need to connect with the church, beyond being here on Sunday, then, you know, we're here for that. Prayer request. We do prayers of the people mm, coming up pretty soon in the service, and this is the time for prayers that come in either through the Facebook page or you can text a prayer request to 402-242-5051. We capture those, we print them, and we hand them off to the person who's reading the prayers of the people for that day. So if you're inclined to do that, we'll make that available. Communion elements. If you came in you know, the last year plus, you've been coming in and we've been getting the little hourglass contained, a wafer and wine or juice uh, over here at the window, at the kitchen. And if that is what you did today, that is fantastic. You may stay in your seat to take communion, but by now you may know that we're also coming forward, um, you know, old school, <laughs> live communion. And we started that last week. We'll be doing it again today. Whatever your comfort level is, if that's, you want to do that, come forward. If you prefer to stay in your seat, that is good as well. There's a date change that's important. There was a scheduled uh, congregation meeting today, not going to happen. Uh, it's going to be scheduled next, week, uh, next month, July the 11th at 1215, July the 11th at 1215. So if you're accustomed to putting things in your calendar, please put that one in there as well. I think that is all I have at the moment, but my friend Tim has got a really cool announcement.
2: Good morning, everybody. Uh, for anyone I haven't met yet, my name is Tim. I'm new here, and uh, this morning, I get to talk to you about this little flyer. Maybe you've seen it around church. It's uh, for our Semisaurus Mobile Museum that we'll be hosting here this Wednesday. And in fact, here he is now. Or something along those lines. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, give me a hand. Uh, That's
1: fantastic.
2: So, as you go about your Sunday today and you're thinking, man, what, what did we talk about today? Remember that, that semi-source. Uh, and that we'll be having the Semisaurus Mobile Museum here this Wednesday, uh, open to the public from 2 p.m. till 8 p.m., and it is absolutely free. Um, Free for you, free for your friends, free for the entire community. So anyone you know that you want to bring, or if you want to come, you want to bring your kids, you want to bring yourself, absolutely come on out. Um, We're having it because uh, our theme for Blast Summer Camp this week is Destination Dig. And we'll be looking at paleontology, uh, dinosaurs, uh, creation, the beginning. Uh, and so we wanted this museum to come in and uh, be a part of that. So all of our campers will have a guided tour from noon to 2. So if you're a camper or you want to register your um, your child for camp that week, they'll get a personal guided tour uh, by the guy who runs the museum from 12 to 2. And then, yeah, it's open to the public from 2 to 8. So we'll have a, a snow cone um, food truck out uh the, the mug is doing a, a dinosaur shake uh, just just for this event, uh, and it'll be pretty hot that day. So if you want to come cool off, you can come through, look at Blast Summer Camp, come ride our drift bikes over in the gym, or make a craft with uh, your kids, or just come hang out in the mug. So, yeah, we'd love to have you from 2 to 8, absolutely free. We'll see you then.
3: Every All right.
4: And girls it is time for the kids message and i would like to invite you to come on up front if you'd like to find a seat on the floor we're gonna do the kids message up front here um and while you're making your way up here we are gonna watch a video of kids from the blast summer camp sing one of their songs so make your way on up find a seat on the floor and we'll watch this video hey. Boys and girls are having a lot of fun at Blast Summer Camp. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're up front, nice and close, because I need your help. I've got these two cards, and I need you to help me figure out which one's bigger. All right? So which one looks bigger, the orange one or the black one? Orange. Orange. That's what I thought, too. The orange one looks bigger. But then you know what? I did this, and I'm looking at which one's bigger. Which one looks bigger now? The black But You just said the orange one. But now the black one looks bigger? It does, doesn't it? What if I switch it back? Now which one looks bigger, the orange or the black? The orange one looks bigger again. Isn't that weird? Wow. Why does it do that? It changes. Would you believe that they're actually the same size? Look at that. Those are actually the same size cards. But they don't look the same size, do they? Look at that. No. You know what? Sometimes it's hard to understand things, isn't it? And you know what? Sometimes it's hard to understand just how big and amazing and powerful and mighty God is because he is so amazing. And in God's Wonder Lab for this week, we've been talking about that, about God and how amazing and wonderful and mighty and marvelous God is. And the theme verse is Psalm 98, verse 1, that says, he has done marvelous things. Who do you think he is? God, that's right. God has done marvelous things. So Psalm 98 verse 1 says, he has done marvelous things. Can you say, he has done marvelous things? Good job. That's right. He has done marvelous things. And you know what? We can trust that God keeps his promises and that he has already done marvelous things and he's going to continue to do marvelous things even when we look at things and they don't quite seem like we expect them to. You know that? That no matter what, because we can trust that God has done marvelous things in the past, like he promised that he would send his son Jesus to die on the cross to rescue us from our sins, and he did. And you know what? Even when things didn't look good, because a lot of, at that time, Jesus' disciples saw him die on the cross, and they're thinking, oh, no, that's not good, right? But three days later, Jesus rose from the grave alive and he defeated sin, death, and the devil. So when things didn't quite look right, God was still doing marvelous things. And Jesus also promised that he is going to make a place for us and he's going to come back to take us to be with him to live forever. So he has done marvelous things. And he's going to continue to do marvelous things and we can trust God in that. And that's some pretty cool stuff. All right. So we'll pray. Can you fold your hands? Bow our head and you can repeat after me. Heavenly Father... You are amazing. You are powerful. And you do marvelous things. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up. And you can head on back to your seats, all right? worship this mighty, powerful, strong God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as we think about this mighty, powerful God who is strong enough, we also know that we are not strong enough. We're not strong enough to live the life that we're supposed to live, the life we're called to live. But we trust that that God is strong enough. He's strong enough to, to do the things we cannot do, to rescue us from our sin, and to forgive us. And so we can, together pray and confess our sins to God and let's do that uh, using these words most merciful God we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean we have sinned against you in thought word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left done we have not loved you with our whole heart we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves we justly deserve your present and eternal punishment for the sake of your son jesus christ have mercy on us forgive us renew us and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name amen and we can be confident that god is strong enough and he, he loves us enough to hear our confession to forgive our sins and through our faith in the work that Jesus did on the cross, his death on the cross, resurrection from the grave, we are forgiven, we are set free, amen. Amen and amen, thank you, Greg. This is a
1: a marvelous time in uh, in church service here at 1C and in churches across the nation and across the globe that are celebrating and acknowledging the Lord's Supper The communion table certainly has an impact individually in our lives. Would you agree with that? It's a time when we come to these elements and we can reflect on who am I? What is the condition of my heart and how does this meal weigh into that condition? It's a time of reflection, personal reflection. But it is also a time when the community, when the body of Christ comes together to take the Lord's Supper together, it is a witness, it is a proclamation of the truth, the power, the significance of this meal. So we will take part in that in just a moment. I just wanted to add once again that if you have the little hourglass self-contained elements, that's marvelous. Just feel free to stay in your seat. Uh, And in time, we'll have you come forward and the ushers will kind of direct that process. Here at 1C, we believe this. This is the body and the blood of Jesus. And up on the screen are, is just a couple of bullet points of what we believe about communion. If that is a belief that you share, we welcome you to the table this morning. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord Jesus be with you always. I want to say to those of you that are staying in your seats right now, it was was pointed out to me that maybe we missed something. And so I want you, if if you have your elements, would you take those right now? And peel back the tab where the wafer is at and hear these words, this is the body of Jesus broken for you. And then if you'll turn it over and peel back the juice or the wine, please hear these words. This is the blood of Jesus, which was shed for you for the remission of all of your sins. Amen.
3: Thank mm-hmm.
0: watching all the world You right here All these thoughts I've wasted All these thoughts I fear Even when these thoughts have faded to you.
5: diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Please give her the strength to accept and cope with the diagnosis. Please be with our family as we deal with the news. Help us all to draw strength from you. A prayer for a safe move from Kansas to David City, Nebraska. And a prayer for continuing good health for Luther Young. A prayer that I can find peace in my life. Please pray for the Hughesman family as they grieve the loss of their son, daughter-in-law, and two grandchildren. A prayer so Brooke has a happy seventh birthday. A prayer for my father to recover from alcohol abuse. God, we now pray the prayer your son Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, forever and ever. Amen.
1: Our text for this morning is Psalm 98, which is tied into what the kids have been doing in BLAST this week, looking at the God of wonders. And I've asked Megan if she would come and do a reading of Psalm 98. Thanks, Megan.
6: Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the wor- world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing joy together. Before the Lord, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity.
1: Thank you, Megan. And in some churches, they would say, this is the word of the Lord, Psalm 98. So before we begin, let's just have a brief prayer and invite Jesus to come sit with us and instruct us as we hear from his word today. Father, you are here. We know that you're here. And it's your word that's going forth. And it's your word that finds its way into each and every heart that's here. And there's a specific message for each and every heart. And you're the only one that knows how to deliver that to that particular person. And so we ask you that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us today and to make us attentive to your word. In your great name we pray, amen. If you're here this morning and you've got a smartphone or maybe a tablet and you're accustomed to that whole world of Bible apps, I want you to feel free to open that up. And as we touch on the different texts, if you're inclined, follow right along. So the Wonder Lab, this is what uh, the, the kids in Blast Camp have been doing this past week. And we're, t- we're kind of tracking along with those weeks in, in building uh, a sermon series around them. This week we're going to look at this word wonder. And I looked it up in our friend uh, Mr. Webster. He defines it as an object of astonishment. That seems to fit pretty good, an object of astonishment. So I got to thinking about wonders, and perhaps you could do the same thing. You know, what's been what have been wonders in your life? Probably the biggest one for me was being present in the birthing room when my son and my daughter were born. It's been nothing like that. That was phenomenal. It was a wonder, although certainly mixed with grief and sadness, when I was by my wife's bedside as she was dying and took her last breath. The wonder around that, I remember, was looking at the clock and it was 1214 p.m. And the wonder that went through my mind was she is healed, she is whole, she is with Jesus. That was a wonder. I lived in Arizona for 35 or 36 years, and I went to the Grand Canyon once. So. That was a wonder. I remember parking and walking over there to the south rim and standing there, that was certainly a wonder. And then there's just the host of wonders that show up in our lives day in and day out. How about the wonder of morning birdsong? How about the wonder of flowers coming into bloom, especially now as we're moving through June? The wonder of the fields that are all around us that are producing corn and soybeans? These are all daily wonders and they are great reminders of how God in his goodness gives us moments like these to remind us of just how good he is and how his care for us never fails. The first three verses of the Psalm that Megan just read, I just want to, they're not coming up on the screen but I just want to read them aloud one more time. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him the lord has made known his salvation he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of israel all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our god it's often considered that this these first three verses particularly are Are the nation of Israel remembering the exodus, the story of the exodus, when God brought them out after 400 years of slavery in Egypt. But there's another story that weaves through Scripture, and that's the story of our exodus from sin, our exodus from death, our exodus from an eternity separated from God. That story is God's grand story, the grand story of salvation that that goes from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, all the way through to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. His grand story. And I want to take a few minutes this morning and just kind of unpack that story of salvation that was accomplished by Jesus. We're going to approach this with one way to engage Scripture, and there are many, Um, But one way is to to kind of take this bird's eye view, this aerial view of Scripture. And that approach is called a a meta-narrative. It's looking at what is the meta-narrative? What is the grand story of the Bible? A meta-narrative doesn't mean anything other than the big story holding all of the smaller stories within it. It's the large story that holds the small stories of what God has done. And so that's the approach we're going to take this morning, and it is truly a story of wonder. I'm going to approach it with kind of like five acts, five acts of the story of salvation as God impacts it across the scriptures. The first act is the wonder of creation. We're going to get to this Genesis 3.15 verse in just a minute, but if you recall reading the first two chapters of Genesis, you can kind of, you get a sense of that in those chapters God is working and, and the work that he's doing is to make everything good out of his love for us, that it has always been on his heart to care for us and to care for his creation from the very start. I see this and I, I, I guess to me this reveals the heart of God that, that thinks and behaves this way because of this repeated pattern that we get in Genesis. And God said, let there be. And so it was. And it was good. It reveals a heart. A heart that is there to give us everything that we enjoy. And if you're familiar with this story, you probably know that our first parents, that wasn't enough. They had to eat that piece of fruit. They had to just pull it down from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that disobedience up to this very moment in time set into, into motion havoc and violence and strife and all the other things that sin has brought into creation. However, God is not finished, and right away he tells us that he's not finished in this passage, in this Genesis 315 passage. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is God's promise that I'm not finished. I have another plan of salvation and it's starting right now. Some scholars read this verse, and if I get this right, I think it's called like proto-evangelism. It's kind of the first story that we get that God has salvation in mind, and he's going to bring it to pass. The second wonder that we get out of creation, and keep in mind, we're, we're doing this big, I mean big picture overview. So we're going to move through, through the scriptures um, in not a great deal detail, but the second act in this wonderful story of salvation is the wonder of God's calling Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. This is God's election of Abraham so that Abraham and Sarah would become the nation of Israel. This was the start of it. He would be a father of a great nation. He would be the father of a people that's going to bless the nations. And as this nation grew, as you move beyond Genesis 12, you you probably know some of this history. Israel had this repetitive pattern in their relationship with God. We love you, God. We will obey your commandments. We'll do all the right things. And they would do that. And then they would go off and build things like golden calves and just, you know, mess everything up again. And God would come and, and redeem them and love them and save them and get them back on track. And it's just repeated. Somewhere in that history, it cost them 400 years in Egypt. Still, God's love, God's compassion, God's great care for his people reached out, and he delivers them from Egypt. He delivers them from slavery. He calls them, he calls them out of there to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And he does this by giving them the law. Nobody else was getting this law. This story, if you want to follow it, it unfolds in the book of Exodus chapters 19 and 20. And beyond that, he gives a faithfulness to um, deliver the promised land to the nation of Israel, and eventually promises David that it will be his dynasty that will rule over Israel forever. That story unpacks in Second Samuel chapter, sec- se- chapter seven. So much of the second act of the salvation story covers all of the Old Testament. You know, we've just kind of given it a little tap. So we move from the call of Abraham, we fast forward into the book of Matthew, and we get to the wonder of Jesus. Third act in this grand story of salvation God is telling. God brings forth Jesus. Matthew 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Do you see it? It started way back here. Jesus. Matthew affirms it. This Jesus is the son of Abraham. He is the son of David. So this begins the third act, and this is where Jesus is on earth. He is performing wonders. He is teaching people. He is gathering people. Oftentimes, it is the poor. He's bringing people into the kingdom of God. This kingdom of God, we can begin to see this as a renewed Israel. This part of God's salvation story is told through four writers. We know them as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in these stories, we get all that we need to know about the life, the teaching, the practices of Jesus, and how his life, his teachings, his practices stirred up this massive amounts of resistance and hate took him to the cross. He surrendered his life to the cross in obedience to the Father's will. And there's another however right here. Some people thought, thank goodness, got that done. Got this rabble rouser rouser nailed to a cross, guess he won't be bothering us anymore. But the cross is not the end of the story, is it? There's a resurrection. There's a resurrection, the very nexus of the Christian story. The fourth act in this drama of salvation is the wonder of the resurrection. Two verses here. Hopefully, I'll be clear enough to kind of connect them together. Matthew 28, 5 and 6, and Acts 1 through 8. Here's the Matthew passage. But the angel said to the the women, remember, they'd come to the tomb It's empty, they're confused what is going on. This angel says, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay. Spin over to Acts chapter one verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That is Jesus speaking to this group of people that we sometimes call, this was the beginning of the church. These are some of the first words that the church heard from Jesus. So that a- after the resurrection, God sends his spirit to call Jews and Gentiles into this continuing story of the life of Israel, uh, this continuing story of Israel through the life of Jesus his teaching, his death, his resurrection. And in Acts chapter one, verse eight, we begin to get this sense of the beginning of the church. And here's an interesting thing. Remember God's promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12, one through four, that he would make Israel a blessing to all the nations. In the church, Genesis 12, 1 through 4, Acts 1, 8, and other verses in Acts about the beginning of the church. In the church, he fulfills this promise that he made in Genesis 12, 1 through 4. The church, the church is called to live according to the faithfulness of Jesus. We are the sign of God's faithfulness to the world. That is our call. So we kind of move on from Matthew and Acts, and we head on out to the end of the, the uh, scriptural narrative to Revelation, and we come to this thing called the wonder of all things summed up in Christ, or the wonder of the consummation, Revelation eleven fifteen. 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in, saying, in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. When Jesus returns, he's going to restore all things through him. I asked myself, well, what does that mean? Restore all things. Well, in my tiny little head, it meant something like this. Well, everything that's messed up, he's gonna restore it, he's gonna make it new. Maybe a eh, more theological Christianly kind of way of saying that is Everything that has been touched, marred, messed up, destroyed by sin, that's a reality, is going to be restored, renewed. God is going to do this through Jesus. So we experience this wonder of salvation when we take time in our study of Scripture to follow this five-act drama of salvation, this this meta-narrative. It unifies this whole one grand story of salvation. God's creation, God's election of Abraham, God's bringing forth Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the consummation of all things when Jesus returns. And an additional wonder to consider this morning is this, that we, the church, we live within this narrative. We occupy a space in this narrative. And our space is between the life and the teachings and the time of Jesus when he was here, and the consummation of all things. The scriptural narrative is calling forth the church to be this community, this witnessing community to what is to come. And how do we do this? What are ways we proclaim and witness to the community? How do we act as a people that brings the gospel story into the stories of others? Well, in current days, that many of us have experienced, I would say I would answer that question this way. Those watch party communities that gathered for eight weeks are a beautiful example of how that is done, a beautiful example of how we act as a people that bring the gospel into the stories of others. And just, you know, just paying attention to what's around us, do you know somebody who might need support because their marriage is suffering? Do you know somebody who's just laboring under this load of being a parent and could use some support? Do you know somebody who's just generally feeling crushed by life? You probably do. And that is our capacity. That is our calling to be the church to step into those stories. Because when we do that, we're behaving as the church, witnessing to the hope available now and the hope that is available to come. I'd like to conclude by just, if you could stand and join me in the Apostles' Creed. This is a beautiful confession of our faith. Let's confess this together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his great peace. Amen.
3: I search the world couldn't fill me and man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough and you came along and put me back together and every desire now satisfied hearing your love. Let's sing it out. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing Is the God of the valley? And there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again.